You've heard of a story. There was once a famous swordsman in Japan. He was not happy with his son's swordsmanship and was very dismissive about him. The son left home and went to another famous master swordsman, asking to be taken as his disciple. Though he too found this boy's talent mediocre, he let him in out of respect for his father. Not realizing his impertinence, the first thing the boy asked was, If I work hard, master, how many years will it take to become a master? Not wanting to lose his school, the master gave an off-the-cuff answer, convinced that this boy will not last a week. Maybe ten years. Ten years would be too long for his aging father to survive, thought the boy. How will I prove to him that I could be the best? He asked the master, If I doubled my effort, then how long will it take me? Now the conversation was getting interesting. The master, in all seriousness, Oh, really? In that case, 20 years? He chuckled. Why is that? exclaimed the boy. When I double the effort, shouldn't the time be half? The master was silent, sad at the spectacle of the son of the famous master swordsman was making of himself and determined to end it soon. The boy said, I will quadruple my efforts then. Well, in that case, said the master, you will have to stay with me all your life, which meant that he would never be able to see his father. The master rose to leave as he was sure the boy would see no point in accepting the terms. But he was surprised. I agree. The boy was told to never speak of swordsmanship or touch a sword. And all he did for three years was to cook, clean, make his master's bed, care for the garden. He wondered if he would ever prove himself to his father. But a strange sense of resignation and acceptance had dawned on him. One night, as he was cleaning the dishes, the master crept up from behind him and gave him a terrific blow with a wooden sword. The following day, the same happened when he was making the bed. Day and night, the boy had to now defend himself from unexpected thrusts from his master's wooden practice sword, and the hits were hard. In about a year's time, News reached the boy's aging father that his boy, the best swordsman of the land, was on his way to meet him. The thing about formal exercise is that it gets focused and intense. And often, on good days, we push ourselves way too much and on bad days, we don't take it easy. It's just like how we have wiped out the night from the face of the earth. 
There are hardly any spots on the earth left where you can soak in the highest quality of darkness called class one darkness where the Milky Way galaxy, our galaxy, is so strongly visible that parts of it actually cast shadows. We seem to adore action and its bright lights so much that we have lost out on the softer, healing electricity of the stars, our very source of origin. Dar se baate hamari chalti gai, udasi bhi sham se dhalti gai, andheron ke dhundalte huye sino mein raat bhar ek shamma jalti gai. Our talks with fear went on. Sadness too faded away like the evening. In the twilight chest of the darkness, a tender flame burned all night. Bujhti nahi gamo se ab shami meri, raat mein vakshi hai nahi aankh meri. No more are our evenings dimmed by sorrow. The night has gifted to us a brand new vision. The dark is essential, especially for the healing aspects of our life. To maintain our circadian rhythm, our body clock, the menstrual cycle, our mental and emotional health, our balance. We have all but lost this time and space of the dark, of the night, of healing to activity. The natural power of the elements of the dark to heal and reset our body and especially our minds have significantly diminished and this could well be why we are seeing a greater incidence of malignancy inflammations and infections. This is the build-up of oxidative stress. And this can all be managed if we were to spend as much quality time with relaxation, stretching every muscle, stretching the mind and detoxifying, which we normally don't do. So there comes a point when the toxins in the body build up, resulting in a breakdown even if you fixed it by taking a break or a massage, the mind and therefore the brain do not recover because they need to be treated very differently. And so we lose motivation in exercise, whereas we might have all the motivation to dance or to play. Yoga looks at healing as a daily trip from vikshepa or chaos to ananda or order. Yoga is not so much about performing in a formal class as it is about how we can conduct ourselves in daily life so that, among other things, the brain waves never get choppy, the mind lives in order and the body never gets toxic. With or without support from the environment. And that is also the meaning of 
yada brahmande tada pindah that each cell is in itself the universe and the same knowledge that animates the universe is present in our body and minds so that we have it in ourselves to heal irrespective of what the circumstances are let's now see how yoga approaches physical culture and how it's different from the philosophy of exercise in part 3 we saw that there are three approaches to body culture isotonic and isokinetic exercise involve movement and therefore a higher level of tissue damage and wear and tear of joints they also leave a larger toxic trail and the body would therefore need greater care these forms of exercise also leave you relatively more vulnerable to injury isometric exercises on the other hand are more healing enhance joint stability cause lower level of exercise related injury leave a smaller toxic trail and research also points to isometric exercise as ideal for recovery from injury and beneficial for reducing high blood pressure significantly indicating that it is good for heart health and overall circulation let's now look at another crucial aspect of exercise training although very briefly here and more elaborately in subsequent parts it is about how the body derives energy for its different activities and how this plays a crucial role in healing the biggest problem our earliest human ancestors faced was the most basic one survival apart from having to deal with predators and hostile environments as they lived exposed to the elements compared to us food security didn't exist in times before farming so like other animals our human ancestors too were wired to consume more than the daily energy they needed and store the extra energy as fat in adipose tissue and a little in the liver muscles and blood it might seem that a lot of time has elapsed since our ancestors took to farming but in evolutionary terms it is not much and so our genes haven't changed much our bodies too do the same as our earliest pre-farming ancestors bodies did but our way of life has changed drastically especially over the last 100 years and now it is changing almost as we speak our environment is not threatening anymore in fact we have made it so comfortable that food comes to us soon as we think about it so we live in an age where far from fighting for food and having to store it for a harsh winter we are fighting consumption and dealing with its consequences yes the genes haven't had the time to register this drastic change in our way of life after all this food security is not only recent it has not yet become a reality for the entire species 
And so genetically, we are still programmed to store all the extra food that we consume into fat. Of course, there are ways to not fall into this trap. But for that, we need to grow our awareness more than finding quick fixes. It is said about a Chinese teacher of Zen that he used to work in the gardens with his pupils even at the age of 80, pruning the plants, sweeping, watering. His students felt sorry to see the old teacher working so hard, but they knew he would not listen to their advice to stop. Once, the teacher went to visit a family known to him, and his students seized this chance and hid away his tools. The master arrived early in the morning a week later, and he refused to eat. Next day, too, he did the same. The old cook had served him since his novice days. He knew the teacher's ways. He quietly kept the tools in their place in the night when everyone was asleep. The following day, he cooked a grand meal of the teacher's favorite dishes. The teacher worked on the garden as usual, and in the evening, as he shared the feast with his students, he said, no work, no food. Over the last 50 years, we have gone through a period of treating fat as the villain, because somewhere, rather than address our sedentary lives, we have equated the substance of fat to becoming fat, whereas it is not quite like that. The body likes fat, and there is a good reason. It's because fat is the best energy source, because it is stable, just like the steady flame of an oil lamp. And when we burn fat, we cause least oxidative stress in our body the least release of toxins in the body and the body needs the least time to recover compared to when we burn carbs. For example, omega-3 fatty acids make up for the material of the brain. For the brain to be able to make new synapses, for the nerve cells to grow and regenerate, this cannot happen without this form of fat. And these are not synthesized in our body, but come from our diets. So when we have low levels of this form of fat, we have mood swings, attention deficit disorders. And if the levels of omega-3 fatty acids continue to remain low, it can result in more serious mental problems like bipolarity and even major depressive disorders. It also affects heart health, weakens the immune system. And just like the skin becomes flaky as we age, the same begins to happen to the brain when we consume low levels of omega-3 fatty acids. So yes, we need to have enough of the good fat that comes from sources such as walnuts, flax and chia seeds, avocados, spinach, apart from good quality fish, especially the smaller ones. 
olive oil, mustard oil and traditional ghee are very good sources of omega-3. In a research paper published in the Journal of Ayurveda and Integrative Medicine by Dr. Kalpana Joshi of the Department of Biotechnology, Singhar College of Engineering, India, it was found that ghee prepared by traditional Ayurvedic methods contains a high amount of DHA, a form of omega-3 long-chain polyunsaturated fatty acid, which is a major component of retinal and brain tissue and is important in the prevention of mental disease. DHA content was found to be significantly higher in ghee prepared by the traditional method where you start from curd fermentation. So yes, fat, after being treated as a bit of a villain, is now being seen as a very good source of goodness. Let's now see how it plays a vital role in the way our body behaves during exercise. We would like to introduce you to an important term for exercise physiologists called VO2max. Let's get to know this. It's quite easy. VO2max is the maximum volume of oxygen the body can utilize during a specified period of usually intense exercise. That is, the maximum oxygen your body can consume when it is at its peak performance. By comparing how much oxygen you use while sitting, while walking, while climbing stairs versus your VO2 max, you can see how intensely the task is affecting you. We will soon see how we can, for example, even as a layperson know how to stay in the fat burn zone by understanding the concept of VO2 max. We say that if an activity or exercise requires you to perform at 85% of your VO2 max, the exercise or activity is considered high intensity for you. Like an aged and out of shape person could be performing at this level even by just walking on a flat surface, whereas a long distance runner might not touch this level of intensity even in a 21 kilometer half marathon. He might just be at around 65% of his VO2 max, in which case it is considered a medium intensity activity for the marathoner. Say you are reasonably fit and you are doing 12 rounds of sun salutations in 90 seconds and that requires you to be at 25% of your VO2 max. Then we can say that you are doing a low intensity exercise whereas the same 12 rounds of sun salutations in 90 seconds could be a medium intensity exercise for someone else who needs to be at 65% of his or her VO2 max for it and for another person it could challenge that person to 85% of VO2 max in which case it becomes a high intensity exercise for that person. So this is a beautiful way to make an assessment of how intense an exercise or an activity is for you based on your own parameters and not any generalized one 
which can be completely off the mark.